You're listening to Beyond Numbers, a podcast by Zero for accountants and bookkeepers. In this series, you'll hear from leaders within some of the accounting industry's pace-setting firms who will share news, views, and creative solutions so you can step away with some inspiration or new ideas to take back to your own business. This special episode of Beyond Numbers was recorded live on stage in London during our recent Zero Talks event. It brought together keynote speakers and industry leaders to explore the future of work in the accountancy sector and focused on one of the biggest issues facing the industry today, recruitment and retention of staff. I caught up with Kayleigh Graham from Talaroo who explains why she was excited to watch our Future Leaders panel. Hearing from the future leaders around actually what's motivating them I think is really um, enlightening because I speak to a lot of senior leaders within firms and actually the challenges that they talk about but hearing that slightly further down the chain in terms of what's impacting them, what they care about, what they are excited for, what they find challenging, I think it's a new perspective that we don't hear a lot. We were also really pleased to catch up with Mayank Pandya from Glocal Pinnacle, who knows only too well the issues with retaining staff and agrees that allowing side hustles is a win-win for everyone. We are in a very fast-changing environment, so I think we just have to uh, you know, see the challenge, which I'm sure all the firms they are facing, but it's just about navigating and understanding your staff and their requirements and giving them things that they like to do or you know one of the panelists mentioned about doing the side gigs which I think was a quite relevant point because you have to allow them to have their own hobbies outside their work which sort of keeps them happy and that way you become like an employer by choice by giving those flexibilities. Let's hear from our four young leaders who joined me on stage for the Future Leaders panel session. Each of them have various roles within the accounting industry and expertly shared their experiences so far, along with their perspectives on the future of work. These four touch on culture, the value of diversity and flexible working, learning and development through formal training on the job, along with the benefits of having a side hustle. They also share their views on the role artificial intelligence will play in the accounting industry. Hi everyone, uh, I'm Ash Gibson, Community Marketing Manager at Xero. Of course I want to introduce uh, our lovely panel, so let's start by uh, introducing each of you. So Max, do you want to you want to kick things off? Who are you? Where are you from? Sure thing. So yeah, my name's Max. Um, I've come from Manchester this morning, so I've been up since uh, 4am, so if anyone feels tired, just think how, think how I feel. Um, so I work for Accounts and Legal, um, and we have a passion for yeah helping small business owners achieve more than the dream possible, and in terms sort of changing the industry as we sort of go on. And I run our Liverpool office. Cool, thanks, thanks. Jyoti. Hi everyone. So I'm Jyoti Patel, and I'm the content marketing manager at Zero. Been there about 18 months, um, and alongside that, I'm also a published author. I had a debut novel come out in January which won the 2021 Murky Books New Writers Prize and was picked as one of the Observer's top 10 debut novels for this year. Um, and whilst I was publishing, editing and doing the launch for that, I've worked full time the whole time in tech. Um, so obviously now at Zero as the content marketing manager, but before that I was working in a fintech company doing the same thing as well. Alicia. So I'm Alicia, I'm a Wicket Shorts. I'm a client FD and digital improvement lead. Um, so I head up the software project, mainly around Xero. Uh, we do management accounts and I do FD services with clients. So strategy, where they are now, where do they want to get to and how are they going to get there? Brilliant. George. 
And I'm George Bruce from Avalorum. I've worked at Avalorum for around about eight years now across a variety of sales marketing roles. Um, and I now head up our marketing team. So I'm responsible for lead generation into the practice, um, client communications, and also internal communications as well with our team. Brilliant. Thanks very much. So um, I guess just thinking first about the ACCA report, it highlights that wage is still a key driver. Um, the cost of living crisis is affecting us all. But is money really the main driver for you as young leaders? What, what's your take? Alicia, you go first. Um, so I wouldn't say it's the main driver now. I've seen colleagues that have left really good working places for money and then actually end up going back or they actually go to, uh, they've got issues, other issues, not just money. The businesses then throw money at them. They've stayed for a year and then they've left anyway. So I definitely, I think it factors, particularly with the cost of living crisis, but I don't think it's everything. I think you've got things like your hybrid working, the culture, that's really important and that's what's going to keep your team there. Yeah. And George, you talked earlier, what are some of the watchouts though in terms of benefits and perks of work versus yeah, uh, salary? I think um, salary is always going to be an important indicator to uh, individuals within the profession. Um, I think recently we've seen firms offer additional perks, um, such as hybrid working, which was mentioned in the, in the session before. We've seen unlimited holiday um, days, um, perks at work side of things, mental health benefits, which are all great. And I'm, I'm certainly not saying that uh, they shouldn't be on offer for um, individuals within business. But I think those perks can sometimes um, be taken for granted quite quickly. Um, and all it takes is a recruiter um, to give you a call and say there's a there's a firm down the road that's offering uh, and as Nikki mentioned earlier you know five ten fifteen thousand in some cases more salary um, as we're in a cost of living crisis it's it's um, sometimes a, a bit of a no-brainer for for people that are looking uh, you know at, at mortgage payments or buying engagement rings and so on um, especially I think with, with young people specifically being targeted um, with these high salaries as well yeah and how important is workplace culture we I think we hear bandied around a lot, like work family, and I know at zero personally we feel it's it's a bit of a family. Um, but I guess some people love that term and some people hate it. Do you do you have a take on that, George? Um, yeah, so I, th I actually think culture is a really difficult thing to define. Um, I think if you were to ask your employees within the company uh, what you feel like your workplace culture is, they'd find it quite difficult to articulate, even though that you've kind of all got a feeling of what it is. Um, I think at Avalorum, um, we're a family business and we've always thought of ourselves of having a family culture. Um, and recently we've, we've tried to actually define what that is. Um, so for us, it's, it's having a sense of fun at work. It's uh, seeing people beyond their job roles. So actually taking an interest in what they're doing outside of, of work as well. Um, but alongside that, um, as well as celebrating success and, and achievements inside and outside of work, it's also about challenging and um, challenging the individuals whether that's something process-wise process, process wise, or whether that's actually um, something to do with ownership and responsibility. Um, so have you called the client instead of just dropping them an email um, to say they've got a deadline next week um, and, and that side of things. Um, so I, I think for us, culture is certainly something that we really value, something that we've really got to keep. Um, as Nikki mentioned, we've, we've grown quite a lot over the last kind of five, six years especially, and it's, and it's been something that we've consciously tried to, to keep as we've grown and as we've taken acquisitions on. And Jyoti is a relatively new zero. How have you found the culture there? And are there sort of things that, um, 
I guess, uh, that accountants and bookkeepers could look at and sort of learn from in your experience? Yeah, definitely. A big reason why I took a role at Zero was because of the culture and also because of a lot of what Anne-Marie and Joe were talking about previously, this idea of like it being more than just a paycheck. Um, the flexibility, the sort of the hybrid working, the way that like my manager supported me with, um, you know, launching the book and editing and, and all of that and like my side gig and my side hustle and my passion. That was so attractive to me when I was picking this role because I knew the book was going to be coming out. Um, and it's also a reason why it's not a question whether I would stay or not. It's something that it's become a big part of my identity and I get so much more from coming to work than just the paycheck because of the culture. Um, and I think that's really something that um, the accounting industry can look at and try and um, integrate into their own practices because if you make the workplace more than just a job, you are going to retain your talent. Yeah, MX, a lot of us have seen your TikToks. We know that there's a vibe going on at Accounts and Legal. What's it like? Personal vibe. <laughs> um, I think culture is pretty much everything at Accounts and Legal. Um, I mean, there's five of the senior leadership team who used to work at a big corporate firm who probably left because for all the same reasons, they didn't feel listened to, they didn't feel like, you know, they were being a part of something. The corporate firms were more interested in bigger audit clients and not really interested in the small SME. Um, and we very much built a team whilst we were there in terms of, you know, we are after high growth. We've chosen the path of high growth. We want that. Um, so there is going to be enough room for absolutely everyone to grow. So there's no room for people who come to work to try and, you know, climb on other people to, to get to the position they want. It's very much a family and everyone's pushing each other to, to get where they want to be. So like I said, we, we want clients to, you know, achieve more than they ever dreamed possible. That's exactly the same for our staff. Um, we have that high growth mindset and we want to push, push everyone along. Um, it's probably not for everyone. Um, I would say that, but, um, you know, that's, that is our culture and um, it's what we stick by and it's that very much that family, that family feel. Yeah. And I guess part of that growth is, um, you know, learning and development and feeling like you have more to offer than just what you do day to day. So I guess, uh, yeah, learning and development opportunities on the job is really important um, and a good way to keep talent uh, in the team if you're upskilling. Um, Alicia, what kind of learning and, learning and development opportunities have you had at Shorts? So last year I did a data analytics course, which was mainly Python programming, basically. So when I actually left school, I did a couple of years doing software development. Um, so they knew I'd kind of got a passion for coding and I'd done coding and things in the past. Um, so yeah, I got the opportunity then to do, um, to do Python programming and data analytics and see what kind of opportunities there are in the accounting industry around that. So um, kind of going back to what Anne-Marie was saying at the beginning, which is that actually giving employees the opportunity and time to actually do things that perhaps aren't straight away chargeable but actually might lead to something further on uh, down the line um, I think it's really important. Yeah and what was the vision for your leaders at Shorts when they said yep we'll pay for this course for you? So well data analytics is it's still a big unknown it's a weird that gets thrown out there that actually we don't actually know where that's actually going to lead um, but kind of leaning towards sort of the AI side of it and all that, we know that it's something um, and it's worth investing in for us to find out, well, what could that be um, and what are the opportunities? So yeah, Shorts realised that there's something there and it's worth actually putting um, investment in both in time and the actual courses to actually see is that, you know, what is that or what could that be? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I guess uh, tech and data analytics is a really natural kind of progression from accountancy, right? Like, I guess it's that sort of STEM kind of career, um, the opportunities to sort of work with the tech and integrating various tools and helping your firm do that and helping clients do that. So, yeah, it makes total sense. Um, George, you've had some L&D opportunities as well as um, part of Ad Valorum's senior management team. Do you want to talk to us a bit about that? Yeah, um, so I actually feel very fortunate that um, since I joined Ad Valorum eight years ago, um, my direct line manager has been Nikki. Um, and it's, it's one thing um, that I think I've benefited from um, immensely is actually having the time um, to discuss business decisions that um, her and Nigel have made. Um, so from a, from a one-on-one -on -one point of view, um, that's been that's been very good. Um, back in 2020, we actually also engaged an external management consultant um, to look at the strategy of, of of the business over the next sort of three years, um, and the whole senior management team was involved in that process. Um, and on the L and D side of that, um, off of the back of that as well, the same management consultant also led one-to-one -one leadership training as well. So it, it was great because she had an understanding of where we were heading. Um, and also how we as individuals um, felt that that could impact our individual roles. Um, and she was able to kind of coach us in, into certain areas that we may feel was you know, effective over the next three years. Um, so that was, that was extremely good. Yeah, and it sounds really valuable because it's not the kind of thing, you know, leadership especially is not the sort of thing you can learn on the job without kind of ruining a few people's lives along the way. So, I, yeah, I, I guess think as well on... on as well as kind of hiring a management consultant, which which was great. Um, we've also learned an awful lot from going to various industry events. So you don't have to go kind of and blow the budget and, and, and hire external management consultants and and and, and do um, sort of high paid courses. I think you can, your, your team can learn an awful lot from going to things like Accountex and Xericon. Um, and generally speaking, if you could take one thing away from those types of small events, which are often free, um, they can actually have a big impact on the firm as well. And I guess sometimes learning and development um, can happen outside of work. So, um, Jyoti, you talked about your side hustle, which really is your career. We all know this. Um, but I guess let's talk about side hustles in, in multi-hyphenate careers. Um, Emma Gannon coined that term, I think, um, a few years ago with, with her book. And um, it was all about the gig economy, so being uh, having the ability to you know, I might have trained in marketing and comms, but actually maybe I want to be a yoga teacher on the weekend and a bookkeeper one day a week because I've learned how amazing bookkeepers are. Hi, Joe. Um, and so I guess it's like, how do we enable young people in, in business and in firms to kind of lean on some of those passions? So Jyoti, as a, uh, as a fiction author also working at Zero, like talk us through that a bit more. Like why have two jobs? Yeah, so I think for me, there's there's many reasons. And one of the main ones is that I, being a creative person, I didn't want to put the pressure of turning that into like my main source of income. I think that would ruin it in terms of like the art that I create. It would be much more commercial. It wouldn't be the sort of stories that I want to write. And also it would put pressure on it in terms of like the way that I approached it. So it wouldn't be as enjoyable. And my career is also like a really big part of my identity. I really love my job. I, I write as well. Like that's what I do at Zero. I'm, I manage all the written collateral and marketing. So I'm using similar skills. Um, and it was just really important for me to like give both of those parts of me the time of day and invest in both. And I was just really mindful about when I chose this job 18 months ago that I would be in a place that would allow me to do that. 
um, and that I could really like, I could do both and that I can um, put energy and like time into both of these things that I love. And I also think like being an author has made me better at my day job. The two things don't exist like separately. I, in my last role, I went part-time to go and do a master's in writing prose fiction. And I at no point thought it would impact my day job because at the time I was writing tech articles, but it had a massive impact on the way that I was producing articles, the way I was viewing my job. So I think looking holistically at like the skills that your employees are bringing from their side hustles and how they feed in is something that employers should also consider. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Max, you've had uh, an interesting story here around yeah. starting a side hustle and being told no. Tell us about that one. Yeah, so I completely agree with that point. I think that's, that's bang on. I think accountancy is literally the only industry where a side hustle, a side hustle will make you a better accountant in every single opportunity, whether that's the marketing, whether that's they go and start a cleaning company or whatever it is they do, you know, they're running a business and that person is then coming to advise other businesses. They've done it themselves then and it, it makes them a better advisor. Um, so yeah, I'd, um, I think I was 20, um, decided that I wanted to do a bit of an e-commerce company, set up a, like a men's jewelry company, um, create a website, um, source product from around the UK and, and did bits and bobs around that, sort of really enjoyed that side of things, doing it completely in my spare time. Um, and I sort of had two different um, understandings of, of me doing that. Um, first, I'll blow smoke up uh, Stuart over there. Um, so Stuart, when I told him about it, he said, um, all right, that's, that's amazing. Um, let me give you some free accountancy software. So one, but he gave me the accountancy software that I was probably least competent on at that time. So one, you'll make you better at using that software. I give it you for free. That's amazing. Let us know how you get on. Like that's great. Crack on. Um, and then after um, Stuart had left, and I felt that's when we sort of I'm still working at the corporate firm. I left to sort of look for some other roles um, where yeah I felt a bit more empowered. Um, went to like one of the forward leading thinking um, zero firms um, in Manchester. Um, interviewed there. It was great. It was fine. Job offer came across. Um, right in the contract was. Um, we wanted to stop working on the side hustle, to which I approached him and said, oh, uh, you know, this is completely my spare time. It's something I enjoy. I think it makes me a better accountant, um, to which was a couple of back and forths. And then it was written back in, oh, you could do just the jewellery company and nothing else. Um, and at that point, it just really sort of like put me off and um, sort of, I didn't really like try, I, didn't, I was clearly on a different page to the way we were doing things. Um, and it put me off the job altogether. Um, and there was no salary that they could have offered that would... That would change my mind on that. Yeah, that's a shame. Sure. But accounts and legal won out. There we go. Good stuff. Um, I guess let's go back to talking a little bit about flexible working. Alicia, you're a parent too. I, I am as well, and I think um, I've benefited from zero offering really flexible working uh, hours. I can I work four days a week, eight till six, and I can have the whole day on Friday with my daughter, which is amazing and uh, and we save a day on childcare, essentially, is, is the reason for that. And um, I just think with, without organisations like Zero and other businesses offering this to people, we are less likely to work here. Um, and so, Alicia, I'd love to hear from you as well as a parent. Like, what's the impact been on you um, and your family in terms of flexible working? How has it helped? So I do exactly the same. I do four days. Um, so I've got that Friday um, with my two-year-old, um, but I can also, with flexible working, like Joe was mentioning, it's not just 
you know, shorter um, working hours or whatever. It's actually the fact that now on a, on a couple of days a week, I can actually pick my other two up from school, um, which I never used to be able to do uh, when I first started in accounts. So, and it means like today, for example, you've got strikes, you know, with being a parent, there's a lot of things that come up which are unexpected. And it actually takes that away from um, there being something where you feel you're not actually supported and, oh, I can't be as good as an, an employee because I've got, you know, things outside of work that might come up unexpected. It actually flips that over and actually you can integrate the two and I can be a good employee and a good parent at the same time. Um, so for me, it's been brilliant because now I can be there more for my children, but also, you know, I, it makes me a better employee because I'm happier because I don't feel that stress. I don't feel like I'm not being supported. Yeah, nice. And I guess it's not just saying either that it's it's one or the other. It's not everybody works from home or everybody works from the office. It's it's allowing people to have that choice. And Max, you were saying to me earlier that, um, you know, especially with trainee accountants, it's really valuable to be in the office and to spend time together because that's how, how you learn. And so there's still obviously a place for that in organisations. I guess just the last thing we'll touch on is sort of the future of accountancy and, uh, and the future of work and how we see, I guess, ourselves as young people thinking about that and how we prepare and, and learn the skills that we want to learn and, and I guess make sure that we're, we're relevant in 10, 20 years because that's... I don't know, it's still something that goes through my mind. Max, you've been dabbling with tools like uh, ChatGPT. What's your take on tech like this? Is it something to be worried about or something to lean into? For me, lean, lean into. Um, I always have a joke and people always say, you know, the stereotype for us is that we're all boring. Um, the stereotype for ChatGPT is that it lacks personality. So as a worst case scenario, it's just going to be what people expect from us. Um, but I think it's, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a great enabler for us to fill in the gaps, um, like we use like apps such as Clarity to help us become better advisors. We use ChatGPT to help us do content creation. We're quite technical people by nature. That's why we go into accountancy. So, you know, if you have something complex that you sort of want to break down and, and understand, can you explain this email that 10 year old would understand? And it'll spit something out that's halfway there, bit of editing, off it goes. Um, I think we should, yeah, there's, there's massive use in it, um, especially around you know, getting your personal branding out there, writing content that you've, you might have struggled to um, do that before. Did you sort of go about learning about ChatGPT just because you were interested or did, at Accounts and Legal, do, are you sort of encouraged to go and learn about new tech? Yeah, very much encouraged. Um, I mean, yeah, we've sort of probably taken for granted that I've been around tech for um, sort of the last sort of six, seven years in, in the cloud space, but um, our appraisals are very much um, directed. So people, you know, is there anything you think we could do better? Is there any tech? We, we take all our staff to, to Zero Khan, to, to Account Tech, you know, encourage them to go and speak to the app providers. Is there anything, you know, you think you can add to the business? Jyoti, have you checked it out as a marketing writer? Are you, are you worried that it's going to take your job? Um, I think it's something definitely, like you were just saying, like to lean into and to consider, and it will definitely be part of the way we work going ahead, most probably. But as a creative, I also think about, and I think it would be really refreshing to see like tech companies and just the world in general thinking about it from you know the perspective of like consent as well because it's a large language model it's taken all of this work by artists and creatives and writers and coders and everything and it's it's not really creating it's just then representing 
that again in the most logical way. But does it have the consent of those people? I, as a creative, would not want to give something like that the consent to use my work and then recreate it in a way. And I think looking at it from that angle, I think as businesses is also and like a more compassionate, like um, holistic way to view it, like ethically as well. Um, but I, we've talked a lot today about like the human element and how much accounts and bookkeepers are more than just their advisors as well. And like that human touch is so important. And it's the same with, with you know, writing and, and articles. If I was creating a summary of today's budget announcement, yeah, maybe it would be great. But if I wanted to apply an opinion on that, or if I wanted to talk about what it might mean um, in practical ways, um, I think that coming from a human being with their life experience, their opinion, I don't think it's gonna be the same. Like it's, it's just not. That human element I think is really important to consider as well and the value of that. Alessio, how do you see the future of accountancy? What are the kind of skills you think that you know, everyone's gonna to have to lean into? I think it's definitely going to go more towards the soft skills side as well. So obviously the technical side is always going to be there. But I think certainly um, in the past as accountants, we've always we've kind of said, well, you, it's the um, technical aspect that you need to be building as skills so for your trainee accountants. But actually that is going to lead itself more to the soft skills because I think the industry is going to go more towards advisory. Um, and it's not just about producing the numbers. I think we might have something there at some point that'll do that will produce the numbers. Um, you'll still need the human intervention in terms of checking that and everything, but it's actually the translation. It's the human element. It's what does that mean for my business? I want to get here, how do I get there? That still needs a human. Um, and I think they've mentioned earlier as well, it's sort of knowing the industries um, and having that expertise in those different industries allows you to then apply those skills. So. I definitely think soft skills is going to be something that all trainee accountants are going to start to require. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, George, Nikki has talked about this before. Um, traditional accountants and bookkeepers possibly need to be thinking a bit more about running their firm as a business rather than just an accountancy practice. And there's room for more than just accountants and bookkeepers within accountancy firms. And you're a, uh, you're a marketer. Um, but how important do you think sales and marketing is for accountants and bookkeepers going forward? Um, I think it's very important, um, especially for those practices that are looking to grow. Um, and obviously we've touched heavily today on um, the talent shortage within the industry at the moment. Um, I think there's still so many practices out there that are still set up in a traditional way that the business generation is led by partners um, and senior members of staff within that practice. Um, so it kind of makes sense, um, and I think Joe alluded this, to this earlier as well, um, to have a dedicated sales and marketing function. Um, so you've got people that are specialist in those areas really focusing um, on that role, which are actually should free up time for partners and, and senior managers in the practice to take on more of the actual accounting workload as well. Um, so it probably kind of makes sense from a, from a talent point of view as well. Cool. Well, I think we're nearly at time. So just before we wrap up, I guess, um, I'd like to give you an opportunity to give a piece of advice to perhaps, uh, shall we say, the more seasoned, experienced leaders in the audience and, and who are listening. What's something that you, uh, that you wish or they hope that they think about when they go back to the office in terms of um, supporting uh, young leaders in their firms? Max, do you want to start? Sure thing, yeah. Um, I would say not not every member of staff is the same. Um, I know you're recruiting for accountants, but really sit down and look at what they're good at. Um, I know I started out as an accountant. Um, 
probably wasn't the most technical person in the room. Uh, struggled my way through my chart exams, um, but I was really good in front of clients. I was really good at the tech side of things. I was really good at the sales and marketing. And I was lucky enough to have a leader who sort of, you know, empowered that in me, would give me time in the week to step away from the, the accounts preparation jobs to do sales and marketing. Um, and that sort of empowered me to become, yeah, 10 times the accountant that, that first was. Um, so I would say treat everyone differently and look for, look for what they're actually good at. Amazing, thank you. Jyoti? Yeah, I'd say similar in that um, something that I found also in previous roles when I've been hiring people as well is thinking about like ensuring that your company and your team doesn't turn into like an echo chamber of the same thoughts and you're always doing things the same way and you're recruiting the same people. I think having a diverse workforce, not in just like the box ticking, but actually diversity of thought. So like having people who have side hustles and um, having people who are single parents and looking at like your, your team more holistically will mean that you then have a much more diverse pool of thinkers, which will hugely benefit the business. And I think obviously, um, historically, account the accounting industry has, has just started to really embrace that. And it's been really nice to see that change. But I think it's something that like if we take seriously and we really look at when we're recruiting could have a, a really big impact on like the future of, of accounting as well. Great, thank you. Alicia? So I think mine would be seeing the value in sort of traditional non-chargeable side of it um, and kind of following a similar theme um, with making sure that you know the strengths of your team um, and that, you know, if they do have an interest in something, perhaps explore that as more of an opportunity um, to invest in something perhaps a little bit different. Um, for example, with the data analytics, that was a fantastic opportunity for me. Um, for someone else, that might be the worst nightmare because they really don't want to do that sort of thing. So it's investing in people um, and what, yeah, what they're interested in. Beautiful, thank you. And George? Um, I think if you are looking to drive change and get buy-in from, from your team, it's important to allow them to go to some of the industry events. Um, I think we've had certainly some of the more junior members of our team go to various events um, throughout the year and, and it's really been a noticeable difference when they've come back into the office um, and seeing what other firms are doing and also what other tech companies are doing as well. You've been listening to Beyond Numbers, brought to you by Zero, produced by Birdline Media. A huge thank you to all the wonderful people we spoke to in this episode. To find out more about Zero Talks, please head to the show notes where there will be lots of links and information. Thanks for listening.